I'm so grateful to be here. I think um, gratitude and thankfulness is the way of life. It is the best way to live, to always look for the good, to always find the good, to always see the goodness of God, to always expect the goodness of God, and to always be thankful. Amen? Amen. To always be thankful. So just a quick story of how I ended up here again is really simple. I was passing through in March, actually last November or December, January, preaching in Italy, and I had to travel through Istanbul to stop over my flight. I had a, I don't know, one day stay, and that's when I felt like as soon as I got here, there's something here you're supposed to do. So I looked up churches in Istanbul and found this church and wrote to your pastor an email and said, hey, I'm in your city and just want you to know I'm passing through. I feel something from the Lord. Let me know if I can serve you in some way. And then I went home. And then I heard back from you and we worked something out. I ended up coming back in March just to come here because I passed through and I think it was January, passing through knowing that there was something here. So then when I came in March uh, and preached for you guys, well, you made me work real hard because there was what? I preached three times, like for two hours each time. But uh, this time I was able to gracefully be able to preach twice. So I can't wait to this service and the next service. But, um, but somehow the Lord puts cities and nations in our hearts. And I think we should follow the Holy Spirit and trust him because I have a deposit for you. And so that's why I came back. The last time I preached to people was here. After that, everything shut down, and I was just preaching to the camera <laughs> for the last five months. So I'm really actually so blessed and so thankful to be able to. The first place after COVID that I got to preach at is right here today. So, but I want us to never forget. I want us to never forget all the people that are connected to us online that they are so important because they're connected to this church now, the people that are watching online, and they're just as much a part of the church as you are, and we should always welcome them, and we should always be grateful for them, and always include them because your church is so much bigger than you realize because it's reaching the nations, and it's reaching the community, and online is where it's spreading like wildfire. And we should truly believe God is giving us increase online. It's very, very powerful. And don't underestimate it, okay? So always make sure to welcome the people watching. They're connected to you. They're connected to you. They're family. I want to start today in John chapter 11. John chapter 11. And throughout COVID... My first response to the virus was to obviously pray against it, to obviously believe that we're healed by his stripes, to obviously believe that no weapon formed against us can prosper, right? No evil can come near our dwelling place. No plague can come near our tent. That we have the blood of Jesus. We have a blood covenant. 
That means that because of Jesus' blood, the same things that affect this world don't have to affect us. And we have faith, but we also have wisdom. We have faith and wisdom, right? It's wisdom to wash your hands. That's wisdom. There's nothing wrong with that. It's not fear. We walk by faith and wisdom. It's not faith or wisdom. It's faith and wisdom. That's what God wants us to walk in. Both faith, we believe we're healed by his stripes, and wisdom. So we wash our hands. Faith and wisdom. If you wash your hands, it's not because you're afraid. Do you brush your teeth because you're afraid? Or do you brush your teeth to clean your teeth? You're not brushing your teeth because you're afraid of plaque. <laughs> you brush your teeth because it's healthy, right? You go to the dentist because it's healthy, not because you're lacking faith. It's not because you're in unbelief. You're not in unbelief because you go to the dentist. You're not in unbelief. If you wear a mask, it's not unbelief. Well, I think in this country, it's, it's illegal not to, right? You get, you get a ticket, right? I think they give you a fine if you don't. But so my initial reaction to all that happened was we just have to fight it, resist it, rebuke it. And then the Lord spoke to me and he said, sit down, son. I want to show you some things. The Lord told me to sit down. Now, thankfully, he gave me a good seat with him in heavenly places. Amen. Like your pastor was saying, we're seated with Christ in heavenly places, far above, not barely above. It's not like it's not like have the devil's here and then we're just barely above. We're far above. Say I'm far above. We're seated with Christ, right? Far above, far above all principality and all powers. So the Lord said, I want you to sit and I want you to listen to me. And he spoke to me several things during this crisis and pandemic. Many things God spoke to me. And I wrote them down and I started preaching them. And one of the things that the Lord spoke to me was to sit at his feet. Because we've complicated our lives so much that we must strip away the complicated and have a revival of the simplicity of the gospel. The simple gospel. It's not hard. Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. It's the first thing. Many things God spoke to me, told me that to believe him for increase. For increase, for every believer to believe for increase. Increase in wisdom, increase in favor, increase in blessing, increase in finances, increase in love, increase in understanding, increase in souls saved, increase in church members. Who can believe with me today for increase? Amen? Amen. And then the Lord spoke to me about miracles. He said, everybody needs a miracle. And I'm the God of miracles. So I want to show you how to experience a miracle. A miracle is something extremely out, extraordinary, right? Everybody needs a miracle. I wonder how many here right now need a breakthrough in your life. Maybe you need a breakthrough in your family. Maybe you need a miracle 
in your family member. Maybe you're believing for a family member to be saved. Who's believing for something that seems impossible? Is there anybody that has a, a need, that, a breakthrough that seems like, oh, it's so hard? We need a breakthrough in this city. You know we need a breakthrough in this country. You know we need the gospel to spread in this country. We need a revival in this land. So God showed me that everybody in life needs a breakthrough and everybody in life needs a miracle. So I said, Lord, how, how, is this, how can we make this simple? Well, here's how to receive your miracle and here's how to receive your breakthrough. Now, I might talk real soft like this or I might get excited, so just bear with me and just follow with me. Just promise not to fall asleep, amen? amen. But um, in John chapter 11, verse 1, now there was a certain man who was sick Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Yes, it was the Mary. It was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Now, you must understand who is this miracle about to happen for is Mary and Martha and Lazarus. They were family. God believes in family. God wants to move in your family. God wants to do a miracle in your family. Oh, there's so much here. Just in the first two verses, there was a certain man named Lazarus. You see, God knows everybody by name. He knows everybody has a specific miracle waiting for them. Everybody has a specific purpose, a specific breakthrough that they need, and God has you on his mind. You're not some distant memory to God. You're not some distant relative to God. He has you on his mind right now. A certain man who was sick. His condition, he was sick. There's no sin involved. He's not sick because he was a sinner. He's not sick because he did something wrong. He's just sick because there's sickness in the world. But he was the brother of Mary and Martha. And it was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair. Now remember Mary. When she anointed his head with the ointment and the oil and wiped his feet with her tears and her hair, remember the, the self-righteous Pharisees, they said, oh, if he knew what kind of woman this was, he wouldn't do that. And then he, Jesus tells the story, right? And he tells them all about the one who's been forgiven much. And he said, he who has been forgiven much loves much. Who's the one who loves much? the one who's forgiven much. You see, the more you realize how much God has forgiven you, the more you'll love him. The more you realize how much he loves you, the more you'll love him. Now, what we're, what we're about to see is probably very simple for you. You probably already know what I'm going to say, but maybe I'm here just to remind you of some things. That's okay. Because these are the most important things in your life. The three or four things that I will show you, absolutely the most important truths for your lifetime. If you can remember these four things that I'm going to go over with you and show you from this chapter, you'll be ready for anything in life. You'll be ready for anything. Anything, anywhere, anytime. Okay, you believe me? Okay, so the first secret to the miracle that they needed, watch what 
Mary says. Watch what Martha says in verse 3. So the sisters sent word to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Notice how they appealed to Jesus. Not, Lord, remember how much he loves you. Lord, remember how much we love you. Lord, remember that perfume that I gave you? <laughs> remember when I wiped your feet? Remember when I wiped with my hair and my tears? Remember how Lazarus loved you? No, 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 no. They don't, they don't mention anything about their love for God. They appeal to him on the basis of, number one, they appeal to him on the basis of his love for them. Jesus, the one you love, our brother, the one you love, is sick. The one you love, you love him. You love him, and so we're not coming to you on the basis of our love for you. We're coming to you on the basis of your love for us. If you ever want anything in your life, if you ever need anything in your life, don't go to God on the basis of your love for him. Go to God on the basis of his love for you. The believers around the world have it backwards. So many Christians will, will pray out of frustration. God, I must not love you enough. I got to love you more. I got to love you more. I need a miracle. God, is my love enough? Is my love enough? Oh, Lord, I'm going to love you more. I'm going to, I promise, Lord, I'm going to do this. I promise, Lord, I'll do that. I need a miracle. If you do this miracle, I promise, Lord. No, 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 no. That's the wrong way to go to God. Don't go to God on the basis of what you've done. Don't go to God on the basis of what you feel. Don't go to God on the basis of your love. You go to him on the basis of his love. This is so simple, but it is so missed. I'll bet nobody ever sees when they hear about Lazarus rising from the dead. I'll bet nobody thinks about how much Jesus loved Lazarus. Nobody thinks about how much Jesus loved Martha and Mary. Oh, but the very next verse says, if you look at verse 3, so the sister sent word, Lord, behold, he whom you love. This guy is your responsibility, Lord, because you love him. You Hey, the Lord takes care of the ones he loves. This is so set me free. Wow. You see, it's not about my love for him. I don't have to prove anything. They're going, they're reminding Jesus. They're pretty bold. These girls are pretty bold, Mary and Martha. Remember, Martha's pretty bold because Martha was rebuked. Jesus kind of rebuked her, and she's still bold. Because she, she knew he loved her. Even though he was like, Martha, you're bothered about so many things. Martha, Martha. He had to say twice because she didn't listen the first time. Martha, no response. Martha. I think it was like that. Remember, Jesus said, Martha, Martha. He didn't just say Martha. He said, Martha, Martha. Why did he have to say her name twice? She wasn't listening the first time. Good news here is that if you don't listen to him, he doesn't leave you alone. He comes again a second time and trying to reach you, right? <laughs> But he told her, you're worried and bothered about so many things, but really only one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen the best. She's chosen the good part, and it will not be taken from her. 
Look at what it says in verse 4. But when Jesus heard this, he said the sickness, this sickness is not going to end in death. Isn't it funny? He said it's not going to end in death. But Lazarus did die. <laughs> he said, wait, Jesus just said it's not going to end in death. And then Lazarus died. I thought you said it wasn't going to end in death. Ah, it's not going to end in death. It may include death, but it's not going to end in death. Oh, it's good, right? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what's happening right now. It doesn't matter if it includes death. It doesn't matter if it includes financial trouble. It doesn't matter if it includes sickness. It's just not going to end there. It's just not going to end there. Yeah. Wow. It may include a little time where you're, it may include several years, Pastor. It may include many years where you plant your seed, you plant your seed, you plant your seed. But it seems like there's no harvest. But it doesn't end there. It's going to end in harvest. It, it might include some years that are struggling. It might include some moments that are a struggle, but it doesn't end there. He said, this sickness is not going to end in death, but it's going to end in the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. But Jesus says, but just in case you miss the main point, let me tell you again, verse 5, or excuse me, yes, verse Five, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Now, this is an amazing verse to me, is that we already established that the, the girls, Mary and Martha, they knew Jesus loved them, and they knew, they knew Jesus loved Lazarus, and they, remember, Step number one, point number one, it's not steps, but I want you to see these truths. I'm going to give you four truths. I'm going to say in a bunch of things in the meantime because it's not going to end there, right? But the point that I want to make is they knew he loved them, but the Bible, two, only two verses later, talks about his love again. Now, Jesus loved Martha. Now, he makes a list here. Now, Jesus loved Martha and Mary, and Lazarus. Now, Jesus, see the list? Jesus loved Martha, and Mary, and Lazarus. And what God's trying to establish here is there's a pattern. You know, if something happens, if, if, you know, if your house burns down, that's not a pattern. But if your house burns down, and the next house you, you move in, it burns down, that's not quite a pattern either. It's just coincidence. But if the house... The house you live in burns down, and then the next house you live in burns down, and then the third house you live in burns down. That's a pattern. That's a pattern. That means everyone, that means every house you'll ever have, because it's a pattern. Once a pattern is established, it's forever. And so when Jesus says, it says that Jesus loved Martha, loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus. Now we have a pattern, so guess who comes next? And you. And you, and you, it's a pattern. If it happens once, it's not a pattern. If it happens twice, it's not a pattern. But as soon as it happens the third time, it's a pattern. Five, ten, 
15, 20. It's a pattern. If it's just 5, 10, it, it might not be a pattern because it could be 5, 10, 20. 5 times 2 is 10. 10 times 2 is 20. So we don't know the pattern. But once it's 5, 10, 15, we, it's absolutely a fact. It is a fact. Out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every fact be confirmed, the Bible says. So I know that you know that Jesus loves you. I know that you know Jesus loves you. This I know for the Bible tells me so. I know that you know this, but there's something about seeing the pattern. Now, Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus. Now we have a pattern. Got, got me? It's undeniable, his love for you. It's an established pattern. And that's a beautiful thing to me. It's not, and he loved Martha, and he loved Mary, and he loved Lazarus, but he skips over you, but he loves you. No, you don't, not when there's a pattern. You can't skip over when there's a pattern. Wow. You know why and how you're going to receive a miracle? Number one, you have to be absolutely convinced of his love for you. Don't try to prove your love for him. We don't love him because we're so loving. We love him because he first loved us. Wow. Martha and Mary didn't focus on how much Lazarus loved Jesus. They focused on how much Jesus loved him. Your breakthrough and miracle starts with your absolute assurance that Jesus loves you. Let me read you the scripture and get this in Malachi chapter 1, verse 2. And I'm going to read this to you from the New Living Translation. Malachi chapter 1, verse 2 says, I have always loved you, says the Lord. I have always loved you says the Lord. I have always loved you. These are powerful, calming, assuring words. I have always loved you. Lord, you mean after I got saved? No, I've always loved you. You mean even when I was messing up my life? I've always loved you. You mean even though I stumbled yesterday? I've always loved you. Even when I really blew it a week ago, I've always loved you. Even when I was rebellious and screwed up my life last month, I have always loved you. What about next week? I've always loved you. What about next month? I've always loved you. What about next year? I've always loved you. What if I fail again? I've always loved you. What if I mess up again? I've always loved you. What if I screw up my life again? I've always loved you. He's not doing a miracle for you because of your love for him. He's doing a miracle for you because of his love for you. So important. So important. So often we feel like we got to love God more, but that's not how God operates. He doesn't operate when we love him more. He operates when we know more of his love for us. He wants you to know the why behind the power. The why, W-H-Y. Why will God do it? Because he loves you. Why? How do I know for sure he'll do it? Because he loves you. Would you, if you loved somebody 
and you had the power to take care of them, and you had the power to heal them, and you had the power to do a miracle in their life, and you loved them, if you love them, that's the why. Are you going to say, I love you, but I'm not going to give you this power? I love you, but I'm not going to give you this miracle? I love you, but I'm not going to give you this provision? I love you, but I'm not going to heal you? No, you could never do that. Love can't do that. Love never fails. Love never fails. That blesses me. I came here to bless me today, I guess, because I... I'm blessed hearing that. Amen? Amen? Let me tell you something else about God's love. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 2. This is going to be in the Message Bible. Jeremiah 31, verse 2 through verse 6. Listen to in the Message Bible. I don't know if you guys are, you're not putting up these scriptures, but if you have this and you write it down, it's in the Message Bible. And you want you to look this up on your computer when you get home, on your phone when you get home. This is the way God put it. They found grace out in the desert. It doesn't matter how dry it is in Istanbul. It doesn't matter how dry. It doesn't matter how much of a spiritual desert it feels like in Istanbul. They found grace in the desert. It doesn't matter how much of a wilderness you're going through right now. God says you're going to find grace in the wilderness. And listen to what he says. These people survived the killing Israel, out looking for a place to rest, met God who was out looking for them. They were out looking for a place to rest. And they met God who was out looking for them. God has been looking for you. He's been looking for you to bless you with his miracle power, to bless you with his grace. It's not how much we seek him. We were the ones that were lost. He was seeking us. I know the Bible says that this is, the Bible says that um, he's the rewarder of those that diligently seek him, but that's misunderstood scripture it's not how much you pray to seek him the word seek is actually to see to focus on is he's the rewarder of the one who's focused on what jesus did on the cross not what we do for him but what he did for us this is how the miracle power of god works i'll show you he said they found grace in the desert out looking for, they weren't even looking for God. They were looking for a place of rest, and God was out there looking for them. And then God told them, listen to what it says. This is in the Bible, folks. This is the greatest scripture in the world. God told them, I've never quit loving you and never will. Expect love, love, and more love. I never quit loving you and never will. Expect love, love, and more love. See the pattern again? If he just said expect love, you might say, okay, expect love, and then expect some, you know, punishment, and expect love, and then expect. No, he says expect love, and love, and more love. See the pattern? So what should you expect after that? Love again, more love. Expect love, love, and more love. Now we got a pattern again. Got a pattern again. See, God 
wants to drive out of your life uncertainty. The one thing he wants to drive out of your life, uncertainty. You know, God's not concerned about the devils. He doesn't care about the devil. The devil doesn't have any power over you. You know what has power over you? Uncertainty. So God wants to remove the uncertainty. We need, we've been thinking, oh, we've got to cast out the devil. Well, we need to cast out the uncertainty. And you know what casts out uncertainty? Scriptures about the love of God that prove a pattern that are undeniable patterns. Expect love, love, and, and more love. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus and, and me. You see the elimination of uncertainty? Do you see the uncertainty is gone now? And so all the questions and all the, am I doing enough? Have I done enough? Am I good enough? Did I please God enough? Did I do enough? Did I pray enough? Did I give enough? Did I fast enough? All those things that you're asking are not necessary in the equation of your miracle. They are not a part of the equation of your miracle. As soon as what you do enters into the equation of a miracle, listen to me now, as soon as what you do enters into the equation of your miracle, now Jesus doesn't get the glory. Now you get the glory, and so God's not a part of giving you a miracle because of what you do. He's giving you a miracle because of what he's done. As soon as you get a hold of that, you're going to have peace and rest for the rest of your life. You're going to be able to believe God for anything, not on the basis of what you do, but merely and purely on the basis of what he's done and his love. Expect love, love, and love. Jesus loved Martha and Mary and Lazarus and Jesus. Amen. Oh, you're getting it now. You're getting it. You know, this is really powerful. The scripture says, expect love, love, and more love. And so now I'll start over with you and build you up again, dear Virgin Israel. You'll resume your singing, grab, grabbing tambourines, joining the dance. You'll go back to your old work of planting vineyards on the Samaritan hillsides. You will sit back and enjoy the fruit. Oh, how you'll enjoy those harvests. That's the word for you. You're going to sit back and enjoy the fruit. Oh, how you'll enjoy those harvests. A harvest of souls. A harvest of finances, a harvest of leaders, a harvest of churches, a harvest of buildings, a harvest of places, a harvest of favor. I prophesy that over your pastor and you and this church. You know, I love what when he says, Back in John 11, verse 4, when Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness will not end in death, but for God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified. The miracle that you're going to receive because of love, love, and more love is going to glorify Jesus. If it glorifies you, it's not from God. If it glorifies what Jesus did on the cross... Now it glorifies Jesus. 
people ask me, how do you interpret the Bible? Because there's so many scriptures that are hard to interpret, and I say it's very simple to me. If the scripture glorifies what Jesus did on the cross, if it, that's the interpretation. Interpret it that way. If it glorifies something that I do, like the self-righteous, oh, Lord, I fast, I tithe, I, I'm not like this sinner. See, what does that do? That glorifies the person. It doesn't glorify Jesus. It doesn't glorify what Jesus did on the cross. It glorifies how long I was on my knees. It glorifies how long I'm, how holy I am, how sacrificial I am, how obedient I am. No, that doesn't move God. That doesn't impact God. He's not interested in that. Because that would mean that he didn't do enough. And he's not, he's not just the author of our faith. He's the author and finisher. So when Jesus, verse 6, so when Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. He's not in a hurry. I got good news for you. Don't worry when it feels like God's not in a hurry because he knows exactly what he's doing and he makes all things beautiful in his time. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what's going on in the meantime. He's just sitting back. He's like, you know what? Lazarus is sick. You know what? I'm not ready to go yet. Because me healing him of sickness is not what it's about. I'm going to show I'm the resurrection and the life. That no, no, no matter how, you know what? It's funny. As soon as you start following Jesus, sometimes things get worse. Are you hearing this? Sometimes things get worse. So they're like, Jesus, come heal. The one who you love is sick. Come heal him. And Jesus stays and waits. And then Lazarus dies. And not only does he die, he's not like just die, that he dies and then Jesus comes. Well, let's, you know, give him mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation. He dies, and four days later is when Jesus finally gets there. Some of us are believing for something and it seems like it's taken forever. It, it doesn't matter. Time is nothing to God. In one day, he can make up for 20 years of loss, 20 years of failure, 30 years of loss, 30 years of failure. Amen. I think I'm in the right church here today. I think I'm in the right church this morning, Pastor. Look, something I've learned in my life is that God's timing isn't... God's timing is always perfect. It's never too late, no matter how bad the situation is. Now, there's a lot of things that happen in the next few chapters, in the next few verses of this chapter. He dies. Lazarus, he has to tell his disciples, listen, he's dead. He, Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, verse 14, and I'm glad for your sakes I was not there. So that you may believe. He says in verse 14, or verse 15, I'm glad that I was not there. See, sometimes God is like, you know what? I'm glad this situation has gotten where it's gotten. Because now you're going to realize the only thing to do is to trust. How about when 
Jairus came to Jesus and said, Jesus, come, he sent messengers, Jesus, come and lay hands on my daughter. She's sick. So Jesus starts going. And as he's going, she dies. But he doesn't, oh, shoot. Jesus isn't like, oh, man, you know what? I'm sorry. I missed it. He just, the situation gets worse. It doesn't change Jesus. It doesn't change him. It doesn't change his plan. If he, if you, if he doesn't, if laying hands on her isn't his plan, raising her from the dead is his plan. If that job isn't God's plan, a better job will be God's plan. Oh, but Lord, I was believing for this job. God's got something better for you. Resurrection's better than just healing. Because once you see a resurrection, you'll never doubt again. I'll bet if we went down, down the street to the funeral parlor and there was somebody dead there and we went and laid hands on the guy, got out of the coffin and was alive after being dead, I think we would never doubt again. So sometimes things get worse because God wants to prove himself to you. So don't, don't allow your circumstances to dictate what you believe. Paul was in prison in Philippi when he wrote the book of Philippians in jail. And you know what? He didn't say, oh, God, what am I doing? I'm so, uh, it must be God. God must be against me that I'm in jail. He didn't say any of that. He said, this has actually turned out better because the gospel has made more progress through my imprisonment than when I was free. It doesn't matter how bad your situation is. God is making progress in your life, whether you see it or not. You know, in verse 32 of this chapter, it says, therefore, when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him and fell at his feet. She kind of had a habit of doing that. She fell at his feet saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus, verse 33, when Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews came also with her, they were weeping. He was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled. When he says he was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled, it literally means he had so much compassion. And then verse 35, I think the scripture that anybody can memorize, Jesus wept. If you can't remember anything else, you go around and remember, I know John 11:35, Jesus wept. Oh yeah, I know a lot of scripture. I know scripture by heart. John 11:35. Jesus wept. <laughs> but I think we skip over what would make him weep? Love. He has so much love for Lazarus. So much love for Martha. So much love for Mary. So much love for you.
so much that he would weep. You know, it reminds me of Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. I'll read it to you from the Message Bible. Now that we know what we have, verse 14, Hebrews chapter 4, now that we know what we have, Jesus. Now that we know what we have, Jesus. You know, you need to know what you have. You have Jesus. Now that we know what we have, Jesus, this great high priest with ready access to God, let's not let it slip through our fingers. We don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing. He's experienced it all, all but the sin. So let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. Take the mercy. Accept the help. Wow. You know the scripture he's, that I'm reading from the Message Bible. You know, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we might receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. But in this translation, it brings out a dimension of God. It brings more of the color of God, more of his color, more of his personality, more of his beauty. And it says, so let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. You see, the miracle you need right now, he is so ready to give you. He's so ready to give it. Let us walk right up to him. Not like, oh, I don't want to ask too much. Oh, he's going to do exceeding abundantly above and beyond all that you can ask or think. So you could never ask him too much. You can't because he's going to do above and beyond. But you can feel Jesus felt such deep love. Mary and Martha and Lazarus and so much so Isaiah 42 verse 3 let me show you something this is also from the message Bible Isaiah chapter 42 verse 3 he won't brush aside the bruised and the hurt and he won't disregard the small and the insignificant but he will steadily and firmly set things right he will not brush aside the bruised have you been bruised in life he will not brush you aside have you been hurt he won't brush you aside do you feel small and insignificant do you feel your church is small and insignificant he does not disregard you he regards you all and he will steadily and firmly set things right He's going to right every wrong. The Bible says that widow went to the unrighteous judge. And she, at first he wouldn't do anything. But because of her shameless persistence, he'd get up and give, every, give everything. And he said, learn from this. How much more will your heavenly father respond and spring forth, avenge you speedily? He will avenge you. He will make it right. But that what they did to me, God will make it right. And when God makes it right, it'll make up for all the injustice that was done to you. So this brings us to 
the next thing that will activate God's miracle power in your life in verse 38, Jesus deeply moved again. In verse 38, Jesus again was deeply moved within. This guy is love. He's just love, love, and more love. It's all love inside of him, his soul. He's not one time does he get mad, frustrated, angry. Throughout the whole thing, he starts out with love. In the middle is love. At the end of lo is love. Then he's weeping. He's moved deeply. This is, this is how God feels about you. And when you get a hold of how he feels about you, you'll be able to believe him for anything. Verse 39, Jesus said, remove the stone. And Martha, the sister of the deceased, said, Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for he has been dead four days. Now we come to the next part of your miracle. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. If you believe, you will see the glory of God. If you believe you will see the glory of God. So Jesus was showing Martha the second secret to the miracle breakthrough she needed was to believe. Like first, to be absolutely sure of his love, and then number two, believe that you will see. Believe that you will see. David said in Psalm 27, 13, he said, I would have despaired. I would have grown faint. I would have given up unless I believed that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. You see, the secret here is we have to believe we're going to see it. We have to believe we're going to see it. We, don't, we need to know sometimes we're seeing something bad, but we got to believe we're going to see the good. Believe we're going to see the good. It takes faith. Believe you're going to see the good. Uh, let me show you. Galatians 3, 5. Galatians chapter 3, verse 5. Does he, listen to how Paul puts this. Does he who supplies you with the Spirit and works miracles among you, supplies you with the Spirit and works miracles among you, it's a current thing. Does he supply you with the Spirit and works miracles? It's present. Works miracles currently. He's working miracles. Does he do works of miracles? Does he do it by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? It's not by the works of the law. He does miracles by hearing and believing. I believe that I will see the goodness of God today. I believe that I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. I believe I will see. Jesus said, Did, didn't I tell you if you believe? you would see the glory of God? Blessed are you. Ah, oh. so remember when Thomas says, I don't, I'm not going to believe unless I see. Jesus said, oh, oh, really? So he shows up and he says, hey, Thomas, put your hand there. Put your hand there. Thomas falls on his face and says, my Lord and my God. And what does Jesus say? He said, you saw and believed. But blessed are those who have not seen, and yet they believe. Amen. The blessing is for the one who believes it even before he sees it. Amen. I know it's simple. I told you this is going to be simple. But these are the four most important things you could ever learn in your life. 
Number one, to be assured of his love for you. Understand the pattern. Love, love, and he loved Mary, he loved Martha, and he loved Lazarus, and secondly, to believe that we will see. I believe it. Though I haven't seen it, I will see it because I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. Faith works through love. Faith works. Galatians, I think, 5 verse 6 says, faith works through love. In other words, it's not that faith doesn't work through us loving more. Faith works through God's love for us. I've, religious people have told me, spirit-filled Christian preachers, some of the best preachers in the world have said, faith works through us. Love. We've got to be loving. We've got to show love because our faith works through love. No, that's not how our faith works. Our faith doesn't work through our love. Our faith works through his love for us. And the third secret to the miracle breakthrough shows up in verse 41. So they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. I, Father, I thank you are the most important four words that you'll ever say. Father, I thank you. Miracles work in an atmosphere of thanks. Thank you, Father. I thank you, Father. Father, I thank you that you've heard me. And I know you already heard me, but I know I'm just saying this so they know how much you love me and that you already heard me. And you know what? This is how miracles work. The first thing Jesus did when they gave him five loaves and two fish was he lifted it up and gave thanks. And then what happened? It multiplied. Amen. Everything we don't have starts with thanking God for what we do have. Everything we don't have in life starts with thanking him for what we do have. The power, the miraculous power of thanks. I'm not talking about just try, just saying thank you as a habit or as a manner. It's not good manners. It's, yes, it's a good manner to say thank you to people. But a thankful heart, when you really go to God on the basis of thanks, this is actually the only thing that Jesus prayed. He didn't pray, Father, give me Lazarus back. He prayed, Father, I thank you. He doesn't even pray about Lazarus. He's, you know how he prays? Thank you, Father. You know what you should spend time when you're praying? Thank you, Father. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for mercy. 
Thank you for another day. Thank you for my church. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for all things. Thank you that you did not spare your own son, but delivered him up for, me, for us all. How shall you not also with him freely give us all things, all things? Thank you, Father, for 7,000 promises in the Bible. Thank you, Father, that all the promises of God are yes and amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you that it's already done. Thank you for the finished work of the cross. Thank you that it is finished. Thank you that you said it's finished. Thank you that I don't have to add anything to it. All I add to it is thank you, thank you, thank you. You. thank you thank you you see a thankful heart will be a miraculous life a thankful heart produces a miraculous life a thank you heart produces miracles and breakthroughs every miracle and every breakthrough you'll ever need it happens in an atmosphere and an attitude of gratitude and thanks to the father come on somebody give him praise in this place you know I got one more point of four, and we'll close, but I want to say one more thing about thanks. There's so much that we could talk about, but 10 lepers were cleansed. One turned back, you know, and glorified God with a loud voice, giving him thanks. What glorified God was the giving of thanks. Because when you give Jesus all the thanks, you're giving him all the credit. And when you're giving him all the credit, you're giving him glory. You're giving him the glory. But I want you to see what all ten of them were cleansed. But what caused the one to actually give thanks? What made him thankful? It says in Luke chapter 17, verse 15, and when one of them, saw that he was healed. All 10 of them were healed. But when one of them saw, see, Jesus told them, go show yourselves to the priest. As they went, they were healed. As they went. But one of them, as he went, saw. The others now listen, Jesus did tell them to go show themselves to the priest. The other nine, they were just focused on what he told them to do. Just go show yourselves to the priest. But the one, he was still going to show himself to the priest. But when he saw he was healed, he, he, he wasn't going to thank the priest for it. He turned back to thank God for it. Because at the end of the day, we have to stop. Even though God told us to go show ourselves to the priest, we even though he said, go show yourselves to the priests, he didn't say you couldn't thank him in the meantime. When he saw, you see, all 10 of them were cleansed, but only one of them was focused on what Jesus had already done. The other nine were focused on what they were supposed to do. But when he focused on what Jesus had already done, it made him thankful. If we would put our eyes on what Jesus has already done for us, it will make us thankful. When our eyes are on what we don't have, we stop being thankful. When our eyes are on what he's already done, we become thankful. And guess what Jesus said about that? It says, and Jesus said to him, your faith 
has made you whole. Wait a minute. He said to the, the leper that got healed, your faith has made you whole. In what way did he demonstrate any faith? Ah, he demonstrated faith when he said, thanks. The greatest faith doesn't say, Lord, will you? The greatest faith doesn't say, Lord, thank you. Look, Lord, can you? The greatest faith says, Lord, thank you. The greatest faith doesn't say, Lord, will you? Lord, can you? Lord, thank you. Jesus called the giving of thanks faith. Every time you pray for something, believe you've received it. And if you believe you received it, what should you do? Give him thanks. If you don't believe you received it, you're not going to thank him if you don't believe you receive it. But if you believe you received it, you're going to give him thanks. If I told you I'm going to give you $100, you're not, you're going to say thank, you're not going to say thank you until I actually do. I'm going to give you $100. You're going to say, really? Where is it? And then when I hand it to you, what's the first thing you're going to do? First thing you're going to do is say thank you when you receive it. So if you believe you received it, give them thanks. Now, you ready for your miracle today? Who needs a miracle breakthrough in your life today? Okay, then what? Then what? Then what? Verse, okay, here's what. Verse, Jesus said, I knew that you always hear me, but because of the people standing around me, so they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Hey, he didn't say, Father, raise Lazarus. He didn't say, Father, I need a miracle. He didn't say, Father, will you do this? He spoke to the thing. Lazarus, come forth. And what happened, gang? You know exactly what happened. The man who had died came forth. So watch this. Number one, this pillar of your life, this must be the pillar of your life, I'm absolutely sure, of God's love for me. He's always loved me. He never stopped loving me, and he never will. I expect love, love, and more love. That's number one. Number two, I believe I will see it. I believe, even though I don't see it, I believe I will see it. Number three, a life of thanks and gratitude. A life of assurance of his love for you. A life of believing you will see it even when you haven't seen it yet. A life of thankfulness and gratitude. And a life of prophesying prophesying the bible says in acts chapter 2 and your sons and daughters shall prophesy so i want you to stand to your feet and i want us to do this together we're about to release and activate our miracles are you ready i want you to pray this out loud these four things are going to become the pillars of your life. These four foundations for living 
the foundation for your miracle, and there's the fund they are the foundation for your life. Say this. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you that you love me. You never stopped loving me, and you never will. I expect love, love, and more love. You said you've always loved me. I believe in your love. And Lord, I believe that I will see my miracle breakthrough. I believe that I will see the goodness of God in my life today. And I receive it, and I thank you for it. I will live a life of gratitude for what you've already done, for this gives you glory. And now I speak to the thing that I need. I speak to the death. To, I speak to whatever's dead in my life. I speak to the healing that I need. I speak to the, my family's salvation. I speak to my finances. And I say, finances, come forth. Breakthrough, come forth. Family salvation, come forth. Healing in my body, come forth. All my needs met, come forth. The peace of God, come forth. The right people in my life, come forth. My breakthrough, come forth. I prophesy to the dry bones in my life. The Lord says you shall live, therefore you live. Whatever I need in my life, Jesus has already paid for it. I believe it. I give him thanks for it. And I say to it, come forth. Financial breakthrough. Come forth. Freedom breakthrough. Come forth. Deliverance from addiction. Come forth. Deliverance from fear. Come forth. Freedom from depression. Come forth. Freedom from anxiety. Come forth. The peace that passes understanding. Come forth. Philippians 4.19. All my needs met. Come forth. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's give him praise in this place today.